Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. I'm Chelsea, and I love true crime. And I'm David, and I love horror movies. And this is our special Based on a True Crime Christmas mini-sode. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, we are here in the studio, not our studio, actually, <laughs> the studio of Julie, one half of Little Podcast of Horrors, another Cincinnati-based true crime podcast. Uh, say hi, Julie. Hi. So before we get into the case, I wanted to start by asking you to tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast, <laughs> Little Podcast of Horrors. Yes. So uh, my co-host is Lisa. Uh, unfortunately, she is sick tonight, so she will not be here. But basically, we're true crime or pretty much anything that's spooky or messed up podcast. Uh, we kind of try to go with humor based and we try to switch up the episodes so we've done like mental disorders we've done serial killers we've done kidnappings we've done just movies because we love movies just like you guys <laughs> and we started almost about a year ago and it was because of my favorite murder and of course that is actually how I met Chelsea and David <laughs> yes it was right after we moved to Cincinnati actually technically right after David moved to Cincinnati and it was kind of our first outing and it was here in this very house and we had a ton of fun and we've had many murderino meetups <laughs> since. So you guys were definitely kind of an inspiration for us. I had oh. not known anyone who had a podcast <laughs> before we met and, you know, it, it kind of got, got us thinking. And Aww. so thank you very much for that. So oh, all of our sure. listeners should thank you for it too by <laughs> checking out your show. And yeah, I, I personally love your horror movie episodes. They're a nice <laughs> treat because, you know, most true crime podcasts are pretty strictly true crime, but your right. October, you did just two episodes a week. Yep. One episode would be about movies and then the other episode would be about true crimes right. that, you know, kind of like vampire related <laughs> crimes like Peter Curtin and then an episode talking about vampire Ooh, movies. That was a hard one. That... That's one that we're we're probably gonna cover it eventually. There's what's the movie that's based on that? Ooh, uh, it's like oh, uh, it's M <laughs> M uh, Fitzlang's uh, M German Expressionistic with Peter Lorre. Oh, okay, yeah, no, he creeped me out. The Vampire of Dusseldorf, Richard Chase as well is just you know his special kind of creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we covered him very briefly in our right uh, home invasion episode, yes. and doing that research <laughs> really sticks with you. Well, yeah, I know you hate home invasions and everything too. So I was like, oh, poor Chelsea, she's gonna be like 
picking it hard because I had a hard time. I didn't even say half the stuff that he did because I was like, okay, this is bad. I know exactly what you omitted <laughs> because I did too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah, we just, uh, we love horror movies except the fact that I'm absolutely terrified when watching horror movies. So I think it gives at least hopefully a perspective of, hey, if you really like horror movies, but you're afraid of horror movies, these are the ones that Julie likes. And if you really love horror movies and are not afraid, Lisa likes these. <laughs> That's a great mix up. I know among our listeners, I've definitely heard people say, you know, they like listening to our podcast because mm-hmm. we tell them all about these movies that they would never see on their own because they're too scary. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's when I listened to your episodes, I was like, okay, I'm glad I didn't watch that one because I'm too scared. <laughs> Thankfully, Chelsea and David's nice voice will tell me what it's about. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were the uh, the spoilers abound because really it's like, <laughs> hey, the way we talk about it, we there's things we try not to hold back. Oh, yeah. No, I'm terrible. Almost everyone, I'm like, I'm going to spoil this. And Lisa's like, don't do it. I'm like, too late. It's too late. I'm going to. It's too good. Yeah, no, you guys' podcast is great. And it's awesome because uh, I like the format. And I think one of the things that is is really cool is just, you know, you guys have a lot of fun. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely giggle and stuff a lot. And Lisa's brother has actually said it's so entertaining because we're talking about, like, terrible things. And we try to make light of it. And sometimes it's awkward laughing. And sometimes we're laughing because it's other stuff. But, you know, I think it's all just... Everybody has different interests and you you have to bring some lightness to everything or else it'll just be really depressing. Yes, I am definitely a fan of the more kind of comedy true crime podcast. You know, I mean, we met because of my favorite murder and I think you guys are, you know, in the that vein and I also love the the women hosting podcasts so it's awesome oh. laugh laugh don't listen to our reviewers that hate my laugh just laugh away oh they they hate the fact that I say like it and laugh too much we do all one take so just know that we say that too much and we're working on it but at the same time screw it <laughs> yeah, it's, no it's really fun it feels very conversational which I love and very entertaining I'm completely caught up. I listened to your your triumphant return episode just last week, and it was awesome. So. Thank you. No, I love listening to true crime podcasts. I listened to yours last night, and then I had to turn it off because I was like, oh, it's a scary part because I was halfway sleeping, and then I was having weird dreams. So that's that's my only bad thing, but know that that's because I'm like, oh, I love listening to it, and then I just get so excited when you have a new episode. Well, on that note of you praising us, <laughs> let's get into our mini-sode. So for this special episode, we decided to do Christmassy crimes, and David did all of the research for this one. So this is uh, a treat for me because I didn't have to do the research. And we're talking about the case of Stagger Lee. Oh, right, right, right. And I actually don't know what you're talking about, so it's going to be a surprise. So who wants to go first? Is yours a little darker? Oh, yeah, my dark. All right, so let's let's do the my favorite murder, their new decision method, and have you go first since ours is not quite as dark. When you arrive at 2475 Glendower Place in Los Feliz, California, you will no longer see the gorgeous Spanish Revival Mansion decorated with old-fashioned Christmas decorations because it is no longer abandoned. It's a lovely house, and it was built in a desirable neighborhood, but for years it was next to piles of trash and was considered a thrill to sneak into the home and see how long you could stay inside before panicking. The Las Feliz Mansion was also an attraction for many murder mystery bus tours, which I would also want to go on. (laughs) Definitely me too. (laughs) 
It has been rumored that just a few years ago, you could look through the front windows and see a Christmas tree and wrapped presents. The house was also still fully furnished from when it was last occupied in 1959. Wow. Yeah, it creepy. Oh my gosh, I would love to have seen that. Wow. I know. My sister pointed me towards this and I was like, this is the creepiest one for Christmas. This is perfect. Thank you. Others who have traveled inside have actually found SpaghettiOs in Life magazines. So it's actually, um, SpaghettiOs were invented actually after 1959, so we're not exactly sure who's been living in there. (laughs) So why was this house abandoned for over 50 years? The house, uh, it was built in 1925, was lovely when the Perelsons moved in. Designed by Harry E. Weiner, it actually had a tiled entrance hall, glass conservatory, breakfast room, and a third floor ballroom and bar. Basically what I have in my house, right? (laughs) Yes, we're actually in the ballroom and bar right now recording. Right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Gosh, that would be awesome. But (laughs) over the years, the Perelsons seemed like a happy family until the morning of December 6, 1959. So at 4.30 a.m., cardiologist Harold Perelson struck his sleeping wife Lillian in the head with a ball pain hammer. So just so you know that a ball pain hammer is actually mainly used for metalworking and it does look the same and like kind of the same size as a regular hammer. But um, just so you know, because I was imagining a claw hammer and then I freaked out (laughs) Uh, even more so. The blow wasn't hard enough to immediately end Lillian's life. Instead, Harold actually left his wife to asphyxiate on her own blood before he went into his own teenage daughter's room, Judy, where he struck her in the head with the same hammer. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. Well, so Judy actually heard her mother scream, and so luckily she had a chance to put her arm up and kind of soften the blow a little bit, but it was said that she screamed so loudly that the next-door neighbor, who was actually their babysitter, the other kids, not her, thought it was a wild animal. Until they heard Judy say, stop, please don't kill me, they realized it was Judy. And so, I know, I was like, oh, God. Uh, so Judy didn't get hit enough, and she didn't succumb to the blow as much as she probably would have if it was a full blow. So she began screaming and, uh, you know, tried to get out. And Harold tried to actually make her lie down and said, please calm down and now all this stuff. And, you know. It's insane. I know. What was wrong with him? I know. <laughs> just lie down and let me kill you with this hammer. <laughs> Stay still. <laughs> yeah, just take a nap. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully, Judy was actually managed to escape. So she escaped, but unfortunately, she escaped into her mom's room. Uh... Yeah. And I I was, again, you know how it is when you're researching. I saw conflicting things. I saw that the mom was dead when she went into the room. I saw that the mom was dying when she went into the room. Either way, she kind of probably figured she was dead. So she was managing to escape, thankfully, and fled to her neighbor's house. Now, since she got to go there it was nice but then she actually left her two siblings behind yes oh no yes and you know I don't think obviously everybody was giving her crap on the podcast that I was listening to and honestly oh no I would run (laughs) I was like well she probably thought that they're all dead if she goes in her mom's room and thinks that her mom's dead then I would kind of assume that everybody else is dead also what was she supposed to do like physically 
fight her father. I'm going to assume he's like much larger and stronger than her. Right, right. And that that was the thing that I was like, eh, that doesn't make sense. You know, if they were me, it's fight or flight and you run. And she's 18 at this time and her brother and sister are 13 and 11. So, I mean, not that they aren't completely incapable, but at least they're 13 and 11. Yeah. So they're probably nearly as capable as her. Yeah, I would hope. Yeah. And so uh, when Judy went over to her neighbor's house, you know, she was just being consoled by her neighbors and and Harold actually went into the room of the two ch- other children. And luckily, though, for whatever reason, is it because Judy escaped and he knew that she was gone or did he not want to murder them? But he just told them to go back to bed. This was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a relief. I know. I, mean, like, yeah. I guess that's good. <laughs> uh, so what he did, which the children didn't believe him of all, of course. And uh, again, it's been speculated if they actually stayed in the house or if they left. But either way, Harold actually went back to his bed, took two doses of Nemetol, which actually treats anxiety, nervousness, and helps people fall asleep. And then they've never been able to identify, but uh, they think it might have been coding, was 31 small white pills. He lied down, and next to his bed was what he was reading before he uh, did do all this stuff, which was Dante's Divine Comedy. And he had been reading a lot of darker, quote-unquote, books lately. So it... Well, that'll definitely make you kill your wife. (laughs) I I hid David's copy of Dante's Inferno. That's good. Yes, I'll have to do the same with Chad. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, Thankfully, Judy and her siblings survived, so she only had a fracture to her skull, which, I mean, still is really bad, but not as bad as it could have been, and her siblings uh, were completely unscathed. So when some neighbors were interviewed years later after the murder occurred, they were still unsure of why the murder actually happened. So they believed Harold to be a kind and mild-mannered guy, as we hear a lot, unfortunately. (laughs) All too common. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so... The only real motivator, which seems like a big motivator to me, but was uh, he was beginning to be in a lot of financial trouble. That is a very frequent motivator. <laughs> right? Yeah. They act like, I don't know what it could have been. And then like, well, they're hemorrhaging money. So kind of makes sense to me. But uh, so he actually was doing really well before all of this. When he bought the house, he was in good financial standing. He was really smart. He published lots of articles, was just very well educated. But what happened was he actually created a device that helped, um, you know, when they used to take injections out of glass bottles, basically it made the injection like more clean is the way I would use needles. Basically, his partner said, oh, hey, I'm going to do this with you and we're going to split the profits. Didn't happen, unfortunately. So the partner took all the profits? Well, so Harold was like, I don't think so. Not today. (laughs) Oh, he took all the profits. No, he actually sued him for uh, trying to take all the profits. Oh, yeah, Yeah, but the problem is, is he only covered basically what he had almost lost. So he didn't make any profit and basically lost a little money actually trying to sue this guy. Yeah, I feel like especially in that time period when, you know, men were more thought of as the providers. Mm-hmm. That kind of blow to someone's mental state can lead to very bad things. Oh, like. yeah. Well, it's just damaging to your, you know, your kind of peace of mind. You're thinking like, oh, I'm providing for my family. I'm doing all these things. And then in the 50s, damn, that's that's all you did. That was he, had, he had some fragile masculinity issues. <laughs> 
Yes, very much so. But I also kind of feel like maybe instead of killing your wife and yourself, just move into a smaller house. Do you need the ballroom with the bar? What? Do you no. need it? Chelsea, I guess yes. you need it. Yeah. Of course I need it. <laughs> no, I, I thought the same thing. And, it, you know, it seemed like the family knew that there was something possibly also mentally unstable with Harold. Uh, the family mentioned that Harold had multiple coronaries. So we don't know if that's 100% true because supposedly it was because Harold had tried to commit suicide multiple times. Yeah. And in the right, 50s, yeah. you clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> you Man. don't you don't pretend it's happening. You don't yeah. say Harold just tried to commit suicide. So it's not really sure. And apparently uh, Lillian was wanting to actually take him to a mental hospital. So again, is that true? I'm not sure. Either way, it seems like they would have had somewhat of a hint. Two years before the murder had occurred, Judy and her siblings were in a car accident right around their home. And Harrelson had to sue the other driver again because it was their fault and only got enough money for the damages of like hospital bills and stuff. So he just wasn't doing so well, wasn't having the best couple years. So it seems that that Christmas tree that we mentioned before in the living room uh, might not have been left by the Perelsons. We're not exactly sure because they were Jewish, but they also celebrated Christmas. So it's really, we really don't know because, you know, it's more of a cultural thing. So they're in a community where everybody else celebrated Christmas. And, you know, some people that are Jewish just celebrate Christmas because it's easier for the kids because they're like, well, I don't know. I get a Christmas tree and you're like because we have a Hanukkah bush and it's awesome and they're like I don't get it so it's crazy that it would just stay up in the house though yeah and the house was just unoccupied well so after the murder I'm glad you asked Chelsea (laughs) so after the murder uh the children were actually taken care of by, I assume, Lillian's sister. It just said a sister or an aunt. So I was thinking, probably not Harold's sister or aunt. <laughs> uh, and in 1960, a year after the accident, or tragedy, I should say, the house was sold in a probate auction to a couple from Lincoln Heights named Emily and Julian Enriquez. Now, Emily Enriquez actually died in 1994, and her son Rudy uh, did inherit the house, but then he actually died in 2015, and they all just left it in storage the entire time. I just don't know why. (laughs) The taxes they paid on that house must have been so expensive. Yes. To just sit there I know it make it doesn't make sense at all to me and there's plenty of like people that break in there live in there all sorts of things it was said that the house was completely trashed but guess who bought it oh who bought it <laughs> Gloria Allwright's daughter <laughs> I know what I know oh God. <laughs> yes wow isn't she the one that just got in a ton of trouble for defending Harvey Weinstein oh shoot yes I think that's, that's her possible. yeah I didn't see well I didn't I'll see double that, check it and I if bet. I'm wrong I'm gonna cut it out because that's what I do but, <laughs> <laughs> um I I thought that was her daughter yeah um Wow. No, I know. That's what made it even weirder. So she bought it with her husband and they bought it for over $2 million. So, I mean, this house is still like you look at it. They kind of cleaned it up a little bit and took pictures um, recently. And it's I mean, it's nice. It's not like nice, but it's yeah. Nice. But two million dollars <laughs> in California actually doesn't get you that right. much. So right, I'm not really surprised. No, yeah. and it's apparently like the best neighborhood still. I think like Angelina Jolie actually lived there for a while. So like a lot of random celebrities have lived in that area. But I thought you guys would find it fun because you guys love horror movies. And down the street, 
house on the haunted hill was actually taped. What? Oh, that's awesome. I know. I saw that. I was like, gotta add this in. We'll have to take a field trip to this neighborhood. Sounds like fun. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because then we can see all the spooky movie houses. (laughs) Oh my God, that's my dream. I've never been to California, but oh, that's all I want to do. I've never been to Southern California, which is probably a lot more fun than where I went. But that, yeah, that house on Haunted Hill built. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't that cool? I was like, oh my God. I would, there's my sister uh, years and years ago actually went there. I have two sisters, but one of my sisters went there and all she did was go through different murder mansions, different places that people had been killed, but she did it organically. So she didn't go through a tour. She knew where everything was. That's awesome. (laughs) We just did that with New Orleans. Oh my gosh. Well, with jealous. Every time you guys take a trip, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to go. <laughs> New Orleans was amazing. But, yeah, so it's a very tragic murder, very Christmassy, unfortunately. <laughs> but it seems like, I mean, I didn't see anything about a new development, but it seems like everybody, for the most part, did decently well after this tragedy. So that's the good news. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill crazy when stuff like that happens and you just you don't really get the closure because you Mm -hmm. don't really know why he did it like did he have a mental break was it more planned than that right there's just no way of knowing well it's scary because I I mean my big thing was so did he just want to kill Judy and Lillian or did he want to kill the rest of the family I would assume he would have probably wanted to kill the rest of the family so just imagine if Judy hadn't woken up and actually been able to deflect the first blow Wow, yeah, that's a good point because it's like the the in their sleep thing. It's different. I'm sorry. I just thought, yeah, it is in their sleep. (laughs) Yeah, and you, I do kind of think maybe he would have killed everyone Mm -hmm. if she hadn't gotten away because, especially with the method he was thinking of for his suicide, he needed to like take the pills and lay down and wait for them to start working. Yeah. So if he knew she was going to get help. You know, maybe he just decided if I can't kill all of them, I'm just gonna, you know, leave the other two be and just Ooh. I don't yeah. Oh, it's weird to think about. No, Ooh. no, no. But I mean definitely possible. Unfortunately we hear about this not a lot, but I've heard about this a decent amount of usually it's kind of the masculine masculinity is damaged in however way and instead of saying oh, there's something wrong with me, I need to fix me, or I need to get the hell out of here. Instead, it's like, let's just kill our whole family and blank slate. Cool? Cool. (laughs) It's the most logical solution. I I mean, easiest, right? Yeah. No, 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 definitely not. (laughs) No. (laughs) But yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that story, um, which is dark and (laughs) Christmassy for sure. the, The idea of the like empty house with, the Christmas tree mm-hmm. still up. We'll stick with me tonight, I'm sure, when I'm laying down and trying to. Let's <laughs> oh, <no, laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll try to negate that a little bit with our uh, somewhat more lighthearted Good. story. This Yay. is an old one that actually going along with our based on a true crime theme has inspired uh, kind of a, a folk, uh, folk legend. So David's going to start us off. 
On Christmas night in 1895, two friends, Billy Lyons and Stagger Lee Shelton, were drinking together at the Curtis Saloon in St. Louis, Missouri. During an intense argument up about politics, the men started grabbing at each other's fancy hats. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say, grabbing it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, just wait till you hear about these hats, because Sheldon wore a white Sheldon. Stetson. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And Lyons sported a crisp black bowler. Ooh. Because it was a style of the time. <laughs> Sheldon gave Lyons Derby a tomahawk chop, so you can really picture what that was like, Ooh. which cleaved the dome in half and ruined it. Lyons was furious and demanded that Sheldon give him money to replace the hat. He then grabbed the Stetson from Shelton's head and held it as collateral. He's like, I got this. This is mine. And he's like, well, what happened was that Stackley Sheldon drew a revolver from his coat and Lyons pulled out a knife. Ooh. And uh, Sheldon says, if you don't give me my hat, I will blow your brains out. And Lyons replied with, I'm not going to give you the hat. You can kill me. <laughs> All of this over a hat. So Shelton actually squeezed the trigger. The bullet hit Billy Lyons in the stomach, mortally wounding him. Reminder, this is over a hat. Right. <laughs> As... Well, it's over politics, but yes, the hat was the instigator. <laughs> oh, well, now that you said it's about politics, I understand. Um, but uh, no, as he leaned over uh, Lyons, he pulled his hat from his clenched hands and said, I told you to give me my hat. <laughs> and he walked out the door. That's why you never bring a gun to a knife fight. Just kidding. <laughs> yes. Never bring a knife to a gun fight, kids. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Lyons actually ended up dying from his mm. wounds. So there were five other murders committed that night in St. Louis, but this particular murder gained infamy through folklore. Uh, it was the night that Stack Lee, who later became called Stack Oli, mm-hmm. and that turned into Stagger Lee, which uh, if you've ever heard anything about this before, you've probably heard some version of the song called Stagger Lee. It was I the night that educated, I do. <laughs> it's like a, it's a folk song. Um, oh, but like that's the fun. Grateful Dead has recorded a version. Nick Cave has recorded a version. <laughs> I should know um, that then. Sorry. <laughs> um, but the story of this night uh, quickly became a legend. So it was the subject of songs and folk tales. As I said in the the folk tradition, the name uh, was morphed to Stackily, Stackerly, Stagoly, and then finally Staggerly. <laughs> I personally prefer Stackily. I mean, sounds like pancakes. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah, I like I like Stackily too. Um, <laughs> well, this uh, story was first reported by the St. Louis Globe Democrat on December the twenty eighth of eighteen ninety five, and by eighteen ninety six. The U.S. political scene was very intense, and since St. Louis was the fourth largest city in America at the time, politicians were counting on every vote, and the fact that Lyons was a Republican and Shelton was a Democrat made it really easy easy for them to politicize the murder. Now, it's been debated that Lyons may have been a political and business rival to Shelton, and that only added to the legend. So because of this, um, the murder gained significant exposure nationwide due to the climate, and Staggerly claimed self-defense at his murder trial, and he hired a prominent lawyer, but the trial ended up ending in a hung jury after they became deadlocked. So Sheldon was retried the next year in 1897, and he was convicted of second-degree murder. He received a 25-year sentence and was transferred to the Jefferson Penitentiary in Jefferson City, Missouri. 
Shelton ended up only serving half of his sentence due to pressure from a group of St. Louis Democratic bosses. He was paroled on Thanksgiving Day in 1909 and placed under the supervision of the Benevolent Order of Peerless Knights, Othello Lodge Number no. 1. Whoa, which, prestigious for sure. Yes, apparently, it's a political club. So. And that makes more yeah. sense. Sounds a bit uh, culty. So... Two years later, on January 26th, he cracked open the skull of a St. Louis man after arguing over money, and he was sent back to prison for five more years. So, uh, but the story of Sheldon kind of turns for the worst because he was diagnosed with tuberculosis and weighed only 102 pounds when he was locked up. He pleaded for a mercy release, and the governor ended up freeing him. But before the order was carried out, he died on March 11th of 1912. So um, I think this is one of the things that kind of also contributed to the folklore. But by the time he passed away, the song was already written and was being performed. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, oh. So, so he, he lived on while he was still alive. He was, he was just very infamous, the whole story really? itself. Really? Okay, okay. Later on, uh, you know, several years after he died, Chelsea had mentioned uh, Nick Cave also, oh, I thought she said Nick Cage. Thank God it's Nick Cave. <laughs> I was like, he really sings? That would have been a very different song. I was going to say. Okay, sorry. That's really what I thought you said. <laughs> I can't even do an impression of that. But <laughs> an impression comes to mind. I'm not going to do it, though. Do it. <laughs> he doesn't have it. Ah, he doesn't have it. Ah, I can't do it. Um, not the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> That's my Nick Cage impression. I love it. Yeah. I love it. He doesn't have anything good like, whoa, or like, I've got a fever. Oh. <laughs> Um, but but uh, Duke Ellington recorded a version of the song in 1927. Mississippi John Hurt, not the John Hurt okay. that we know from um, m- the modern actor, recorded one in 18 or in 1928, and the great Woody Guthrie recorded one in 1931. But the song has also been covered in the style of punk, of Hawaiian, of heavy metal, disco, rock, blues, folk, <laughs> bluegrass, country, and soul. Damn. Um. We could do a dramatic reading of the song. I mean, I'm not gonna object. Yeah, but we're doing the spoken, uh, the spoken word version of this because I don't know the melody well enough. We'll do it in podcaster voice, which will really get y'all dancing. I love it. Police officer, how can it be? You can rest everybody but cruel Stack O Lee. That bad man, oh cruel Stack O Lee. Billy DeLion told Stack O'Lee, please don't take my life. I've got two little babies and a darling, loving wife. That bad man, oh, cruel Stack O'Lee. What I care about, you little babies, you darling, loving wife. You done stole my Stetson hat. I'm bound to take your life. That bad man, cruel Stack O'Lee. With the 44, when I spied Billy DeLion, he was lying down on the floor. That bad man, oh, cruel Stack O'Lee. Gentlemen of the jury, what do you think of that? Stack O'Lee killed Billy DeLion about a $5 Stetson hat. That bad man, <laughs> oh cruel Stack O'Lee. And they gathered, hands way up high. At 12 o'clock, they killed him. They all glad to see him die. That bad man, oh cruel Stack O'Lee. So that's interesting to me, actually. So the ending of the song kind of has a different ending than the real story because it looks like at the end of the song, they actually execute right, him. Yeah. When in the real story, you know, he served a very short time 
prison sentence. But I know there's also versions of the song where they change it all and they make it take place during the Great Depression instead. So I think it's kind of artistic liberties Uh, that they're taking with it. But but that's kind of the gist of, I think, most of the the versions. (laughs) Yeah, that uh, that Christmas, the Christmas murder. Oh, my God. No, if I could snap, I would snap for you. (laughs) I can whistle, but you don't want to hear that. It's interesting, too, because the story, I guess, also, like, the the history of it, there's, like, multiple tellings. And, oh. and I know in music circles, there there's a lot of uh, in-depth essays regarding how the song has evolved over time. Right. Kind of like telephone, basically. Just keeps changing just a little bit, just a little bit every time. He was 12 feet tall, <laughs> that Lee. Paul Bunyan? <laughs> Do you have a blue ox? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I wish Paul Bunyan really existed. Just saying. Because if there was Knox and he was blue, that'd be pretty cool. That would definitely be awesome. <laughs> There's actually a horror movie about, uh, I think it's no. Paul Bunyan and Babe. Oh my God, that's Ox. awesome. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I swear I've seen like the video cover somewhere, but it's <laughs> out there. If any of you have seen it, let us know. God, please And do. let us know if it's worth watching. <laughs> Or let us know if it was just David's fever dream. Or maybe my Christmas wish. Oh, that's true. That's true. Should we actually end it with a Christmas wish of what movie we would wish was actually a horror movie? Yes, that's an excellent idea, but you should go first because I need a minute to think about this. Um, well, I think that it's okay. So I'm going to do the opposite of what I just said. But I feel like The Shining, when it did the whole parody of being in a romantic comedy, that was beautiful. And technically, it's like Christmassy because there's snow. So I feel like it counts. Ooh, yeah, that's good. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Okay, it's a it's a Christmas movie that I would want to see this horror movie. <gasps> yes, yes. All right. Um, yeah. I'm excited because you know way more about horror movies than I do. <laughs> well, since I like creature features and right. they've done killer pumpkins, killer <gasps> jack-o'-lanterns, and they've done killer snowmen, I don't know how many killer Christmas trees there are out there. That is very true. Now that I think about it, one of the episodes of 12 Deadly Days on YouTube covered sort of a killer Christmas tree, but I think killer Christmas trees would be pretty awesome. <laughs> That would be really cute and awesome. I mean, not cute. They're terrifying. Well, we've kind of been binging on Hallmark holiday movies. I heard so... that. I love Hallmark Christmas yeah. movies. Not any other one, just the Christmas ones. They're awesome. Yes. Uh, I must say, I think Haley Duff has herself a new fan with David because <laughs> he's been wanting to watch all of those. Gee, I wonder why. Oh, my God. Um, they're awesome. But I'm going to say I want like a Hallmark Christmas movie that <gasps> just does a like hard 180 turn yes. about halfway through and turns into like a Christmas slasher. That would be my my dream Christmas movie. It's like that. something for me and something for David. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun for the whole family. You know, the adult side of the family. <laughs> Can I, can I, uh, what's that called? Can I script doctor that? And at the end, the slasher has to propose to the final girl. (gasps) Oh, can it be, can it be like bachelorette style though? Will you accept this dagger? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. I would love it. (laughs) You heard it here first. Look for it next Christmas in theaters. It's, you know, trademark. We said it definitely ours now. We said it. Now we own it. (laughs) All right. Well, on that excellent note, why don't we do our social media and then wrap this up because we're actually recording another episode. So if you're listening to it, I think yours is going to come out before ours. So if you're listening to this, 
Go back and listen to the last episode of Little Podcast of Horrors because <laughs> I'm telling one of my two top true crime stories Ooh, ever. And I don't so, know what it is. Yeah. All right. All right. So where can we find Little Podcast of Horror on social media? So we are now officially on, well, we've always been on Facebook, uh, but we're now on Instagram, Twitter, and we actually do have a website. So the website is weebly.com littlepodcastofhorrors.com and then pretty much everything else because unfortunately everything has to either shorten or so so it's either the L-P-O-H or it's just little the little podcast of horrors I switched everything to the because it was easier that way so just find us through there and we'll be linking to you guys also on our pages and David's going to put it in the show notes too and as always you can find us on Facebook Based on a True Crime podcast on Instagram at Based on a True Crime. And please join our um, <laughs> cult of Based on a True Crime Facebook group and uh, check us out on Twitter at True Crime Based. Email us at Based on a True Crime at gmail.com and our website, Based on a True Crime.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you guys have had fun getting in the holiday spirit with <laughs> some uh, grueling stories of terror. <laughs> and thank you for having me. And Lisa is very sad that she isn't here, but she will be here next time because I hope to do this again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, we would definitely love that. And uh, do you have a reminder for everyone, David? Uh, yeah, I mean, just remember if you're if you've been naughty or nice, <laughs> death is but a door. And time is but a window. We'll be back. Ho, ho, ho.